0: Welcome to the NUFC Outcast, the podcast which looks at all things Newcastle United. Today I'm joined by Jim. Uh, Jim, so today I'm going to present for the first time. How are you doing? I'm not bad mate, you? Yes, I'm good. Um, I'm good, I mean, a bit sad the football season though over now, over some of what we're we going to do. I know we've still got two European Cup finals to, to come, but still, uh, yeah, a bit sad the football season's over, but let's uh, talk about the last game of the season uh, we went to Craven Cottage and in typical end of season results where there's not much on the games, t- teams tend to be a bit looser and Newcastle recorded a 4-0 win, what were your thoughts on this amazing achievement to beat Fulham 4-0, especially considering we drew 0-0 with them earlier in the season
1: Well I know that we we predicted um, score and we'd pre- you'd predicted big score in particular, Yeah. Uh, but I didn't expect anything <laughs> along those lines. It was just magnificent because all of, all of our best players, if you like, um, were the ones who scored and the mm-hmm. ones that have been heralded at, at, as such. And then you well, Huzzle,
0: Huzzle didn't, didn't score,
1: did he? <laughs> oh, no. I'll stand corrected. I stand corrected. <laughs> you know, Shelby, Rondon, Perez, and uh, Fabian Cher, who's been brilliant this season getting on the score sheet, um, it, it was incredible. It was just a fantastic day in, in London. You had the the fans taking over the Thames on the boats. The weather was incredible. Uh, the scenes inside Craven Cottage just seemed really apt and fantastic. All happening in front of a backdrop of Ashley being there. So, you know, in terms of narrative, it was a, a really incredible day.
0: Let's talk about... Firstly, before I start, I do want to say one thing. We played amazing. It was a great result. Fulham were terrible. <laughs> Firstly, but we'll start with that fantastic goal from Shelby. Um, first goal of the season. He's not played as much this year. I mean, what did you think of that goal? I mean, he doesn't he doesn't score many. And for, for that, he,
1: he was a special one to wait for, wasn't it? I think what was telling about it was that just how, how calm and collected and how smoothly it was taken. Um, it just shows his quality as a player when on his day. You know, I, I think it kind of went against the run of play a little bit in the sense that it was just completely unexpected. It's just how calm and collected he was when mm. he took that because it was slightly unexpected for him to control it in the way he did uh, and then just to strike it as sweetly as that um, and then I believe he ran to the end of the pitch as well completely to greet the other fans so it was, uh, it was really special given the, um, the, the weather and also the, the importance of the, the game and finishing the season strongly.
0: I mean, I mean, he does like his goals in West London. I mean, I remember the Championship year when we went and beat QPR six nil away um, at the start, and he scored an, a screamer in that match as well. I remember. Um, for someone who has so much technical ability, you would think he'd score more, really, because he's he's got a good shot on him. His touch is very good, and he but he he doesn't let fly as much as you know you'd expect for someone with you know such good shooting ability.
1: I think earlier on in his career, he probably did, didn't he? Um, mm. He seemed to do that a lot more when I remember him playing for Liverpool and, uh, and Swansea. But um, here he seems to put more focus. And I don't know it's, whether it's down to instruction on trying to thread the perfect pass or, or try and create something um, that looks spectacular in other ways. Mm. Uh, and he certainly did that. He's, he's trying to be the Andrea Perlo of the team nowadays, isn't he? Yeah, just without the flowing locks.
0: Yeah, without the <laughs> without the flowing locks. Yeah, very true. Again, like I thought he was brilliant. Um, again, Fulham gave him a lot of space to operate in, which I don't know many Premier League teams who would do that. Um, I mean, there was a pass out to Richie, which was just terrific. Um, uh, like, I mean, does this show that probably Rafa needs if Rafa stays, which we'll come on to. Um, we really need to
1: try and keep Shelby. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, if we don't keep Shelby, there's the issue of uh, making sure that he's adequately replaced yeah. um, because it's all down to squad depth again. So, I, I'd like to see him stay. Um, we know that Hayden, for example, and Diarmi, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later, the um, yeah. you know, situations there regarding them. You know, if you, you want known quality in the team and you play decently against Brighton the other week. It would be a big loss if he was to go into high earner, but um Yeah. He's the he's the highest earner, supposedly. I think
0: there was that stat when we were in the championship. This is before I think it was before Neymar went to PSG that Shelby was earning more than Neymar. Obviously that's changed now after Neymar's moved to PSG, but still I mean he is on he is on quite big wages. The second goal, I mean again, the Fulham goalkeeper who had a bit of a shocker if I'm honest. Uh, Sergio Rico but I think that shows you the transformation of Parais I think at the start of the season he wouldn't have been in there to tap it in but uh, he reacted really quickly and it was a true poacher's finish
1: Yeah he's just got such composure and uh, such, a, such a knife of gold really at the minute it's it's incredible um, as, as I said before I'm, I'm a massive fan you know I think he's really driven his stock skyward uh, this season so uh, it, it looks by his reaction that he was he's quite emotional and it was looking like it was a, a bit of a goodbye uh, mm. towards the end of the game. But in terms of him being around to score the goals, then, yeah, exactly. It was a, a real poacher's finish.
0: I mean, he has scored the same number of goals, I think, as Firmino and Son. You know, two players playing you know, with much better service, if we're honest. Um, I mean, for him to get that many goals in a season is pretty impressive. I think, I like I've said, the second half of the season, he was brilliant. First half of the season, he was not very good, uh, but he's been fantastic. And I think when I start hearing more transfer rumours, his agent talking in the press, all these things point towards he's trying to engineer and move away. And I think... I mean, the rumours are North London, Arsenal or Spurs could be the ones. I mean, we don't want him to go, but do you think he would fit in
1: there? I, I think he would, uh, particularly at Arsenal. He suits their their kind of game, uh, mm. you know, passing football uh, and, and trying to play through the team and, and, and work those channels.
0: I can't, I can't see him starting, if I'm honest, if he went to either Arsenal or Spurs. Uh, I think
1: he'd be a squad player, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it would, would be worth it because I think he's, you know, he's not the paciest player, but he's good running at people mm. um, and, you know, his close control is, is has been excellent, particularly in the past few games. I mean, it's my belief I think he wants to return to where his cultural ties are a little bit more. So I think somewhere like Spain or Italy might be more in the offing, but if he was to go to somewhere in the Premier League, then it, it, those, those clubs would, would probably be a good fit.
0: It will
1: yeah. be as a squad member.
0: Yeah, Spanish-speaking managers really as well, which uh, is always helpful when you have a manager who can speak your first language. As we found out with uh, Almirón, Perez, and Rondón, all have said that you know they really appreciate that Benitez can can, can communicate to them in Spanish. Um, third goal, Mister Shah, scoring again. Uh, I mean, he's just been uh, such a great signing, three and a half million pounds. I mean, again, he's another one we really need to keep a hold of, just because as well, he's not only is he good defensively,
1: but he's got goal threat massively, massively. I mean, it, it's it's just been incredible um, how how prolific he's been in terms of goal scoring,
0: mm.
1: uh, and his, his confidence on the ball going forward. I know we mentioned about um, uh, Lascelles uh, not covering himself in glory the other week. The likes of him and and Lejeune, when he's fit, being a, a counterfoil to you know the the, the limitations of um of the less ball playing players is mm. is incredible. He's just got such confidence and the comparisons to Albert keep coming up mm. time after time. And it's 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 just brilliant to see because it's it, it, it's it's what you want to see in football. You want to see players across the pitch with that, that level of ability. You know, it's really encouraging and for that the 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 cost that he's he's come at, it's uh, it's incredible really how he's performed.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that it's impressed me. We before we didn't our centre backs never really ever did cross field balls to try and and especially when you play three five two. You like if you watch Wolves, Wolves do it all the time. They've kind of perfected that system of how to play three five two. And I think which when Lejeune is fit and when is playing, you can see that the players know how to distribute it from the back in that type of system and it makes a huge difference. Um, so yeah, I think he's just he's been a revelation really, hasn't he? Um, and then we had the fourth goal, uh, another kind of I wouldn't say it was an error, but the goal he could have done better um, gave Rondon a couple of chances to put it away.
1: It was so hard fought that goal. He, yeah. He, he he wanted it. The the driving commitment to to score a goal in that game from Rondon yeah. was was incredible. So when when it when it did arrive, it. It, it just felt all the sweeter. It really yeah. was a, a, a brilliant feeling for him. Um, I
0: think I think the last-minute goals as well, especially when you're winning and then you score another one, just to end it, just makes you feel like a little bit more better, isn't it? Absolutely. We saw as well, obviously, with last night's results where West Brom went out on penalties um, to Aston Villa, that it probably means that it'll be easier to get Rondon now because West Brom probably will have more pressure to sell than if they were uh game promoted and also talking of things i mean dwight gale he was suspended for last night's match after being sent off he's posted a message saying goodbye to west brom which makes me think that he's probably not expecting to go back will be interesting to see what happens with his future
1: the wording of tweets from uh, rondon as well i suppose is one thing to keep an eye out for I don't think there's anything that's been said that's been hinting at a farewell in particular, but obviously that situation is dependent on, on lots of other things. Um yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll have to wait and see on that, but I wasn't aware of the Gale tweet. So if that's, yeah. that's the case, it sounds like he could well be on his way back and in contention. I mean, we did, we do need him if we're getting rid of players like Hossolu, you know, yeah. as, as, well, as well as we've talked about in this podcast. Um, I think I think for me um, the the Rondon deal uh, we need
0: to get it done quickly. But I mean we'll come on to you know the future and everything surely. But I mean he he was also named Player of the Season, which I think was a fair fair decision. Um, you know he scored twelve Premier League goals and is for me over the season he's been the best player. Over the second half of the season, I think Perez has been the best player, but definitely over the whole season, I think Rondon has been the best player a couple of things which came out after the rough after the uh after the kind of the match we saw firstly rafa again saying he's going to have this meeting uh with mike ashley in the next few days uh to clarify things and we should we should know soon when would you expect an announcement regarding his future because like if you look at brighton <laughs> they like literally waited a whole day and then they sacked chris Hughton. Do you think we could hear something from the club maybe in the next week or so?
1: Well, I think it's really interesting that Rafa himself put a 10-day time frame Mm. on things. So, you know, he's a canny political operator. They'll be beholden to that to an extent. Apparently, according to reports from The Chronicle and people like Mark Douglas, it's expected that there's a meeting as soon as tomorrow. I don't think that people are entirely sure about that. You know, it could go... To the wire in terms of the the thirtieth date, obviously when Rafa's contract expires. But I do think that that placement of a ten day time frame um, has, has, has put pressure somewhat on getting this sorted. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, really. Um, you know, you're talking about the the Rondón being named Player of the Season um, despite not being our player, and <laughs> not being sorted, uh, and then talking about the managerial situation given. Uh, what happened against Fulham in front of the owner, it should just be a no-brainer at this point what goes on. There's a, there's a lot, of, lot of talk about um, having balance and compromise, and I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what they mean by that when they say um, that Rafa needs to compromise as well as uh, Ashley doing it. But for, to my mind, everything that Rafa does that, that requires compromise apparently is done for the good of the team and the good of the club whereas um, you know from the other side of things what what what's their priority you know at this yeah. stage get Rafa sorted get the deals that need to be done sorted be it Rondon or others and that can only be good for the team
0: yeah the thing for me with with Newcastle is you know they do a lot of press releases when they do do press releases you hear a lot of spin now, for me, spin is when people are they're not sure of the intentions of the club or they're not sure, so they're undecided, and the idea of you know these messages where they're saying rafa needs to come to be more compromising, people need to be more patient, all these things you know it's that spin works when you haven't for ten years been saying <laughs> been lying to you. What they really, I personally wouldn't put out statements like that if I were them. It's better for them not to say anything, to be honest, because everybody knows what they're trying to do. They're trying to put pressure on him. They're trying to say, oh, you know, we tried our best to keep him. But like we all know that I'm sure Rafa would, could be paid much, much more. It's, this isn't about money. It's all about ambition. Yeah, so that was one thing which has come out of the game. The other thing was, I don't know if you saw the story about... Uh, basically, when Newcastle were at the bottom of the league earlier in the year, no wins in ten, uh, Mike Ashley had this famous meal, uh, happy, what was it happy, happy hour meal or something for 9.99. Um, and at this meeting with the players, uh, he stated that he would take them, you know, if they stayed up, he would take them to Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> supposedly, after the match, he's gone back on that statement and said, oh, no, um, you know, he's he." to be fair. The story is that basically he said, "I'll, I'll pay you in advance on your bonuses. So the bonuses will come earlier and so forth.
1: I mean, again, I mean, not setting a very good precedent, is it? It's just so odd. I mean, that was the same meal where there were fans outside and he was allegedly flicking V signs at them. Uh, in the same episode so that following on from that that was it just completely bizarre to start with uh, I, I just to find it really strange that he, he just seems to say these these really token things and it's the, the, the same with uh, you know all the, the stuff he was saying about responsibility being at his door and you know whatever Rafa wants Rafa gets mm. these, these phrases that just seem to tumble out and, and, and things that Seemed very unplanned and and very spur of the moment. That seemed really easily reneged upon or or, or, mm. or, or abandoned. I, I he's a, you know I know he's a um we we all question his methods, but he's a very strange man as well. <laughs>
0: mm. I mean, one of the things I mean, I read. I don't know if you've read the Kevin Keegan autobiography. Um, I've yes, read it a lot. Yes. And like one of the statements in there, which like. I kind of like whilst obviously they had huge agreements and everything the reason main thing Kevin Keegan wanted to know was why did you employ him in the first place <laughs> like why why go to all that trouble pay him you know coax him out of retirement tell him yeah we're gonna do this I want you to do this you need to we're gonna spend this 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 and then go back on it why not just go for you know it just it's just he says big things, but then he changed. It seems to me that he changes his mind very quickly, and that you know he makes some decisions, and then he'll deci- he'll go back on it very quickly. And it's just it, that's why I, again with the Las Vegas thing that he has said something, and then he's just decided, oh, actually no, I'll just pay them their bonuses. Um, I just I just think it's better for him to just. There's no point making a promise if you're not going to fulfil it. So. But I guess that's the story of his legacy, basically. I um,
1: was watching something popped up in my feed, which was the uh, Kevin Keegan commentary that was on BT... Uh, it might have been BT Sport or ESPN, which was about um, working with him and Derek Lambias.
0: Oh, yes, I've seen this, yeah.
1: And it was just about the you know extent to which you, can, you can't work with these people. You can't trust what they say. Everything's either seems to be carefully planned spin on one hand or just complete, you know, throwaway flotsam depending on what Mike Ashley says or thinks yeah. at any one time. He sees these decisions like Rafa and um, Keegan before him, uh, you know, he sees initial boosts of, of PR which will look good in the short term but then doesn't really think about the, the implications the of that beyond yeah. that, you know. He wants to just get the easy win and then then stick to his methods, I think. Uh, and, and as we know, it doesn't pan out like that. Some of the decisions,
0: I mean, reading that book about Keegan, I mean, they bid for Bastian Schweinsteiger, which, like, as a football fan, like, I'm, I'm a Newcastle fan, obviously. But at the time, Bastien Schweinsteiger was, like, one of the biggest names in Europe. Like, it just, again, it just makes no football sense. Just, again, like you said, it's just throwaway... Let, let's get linked with Bastian Schweinsteiger. You know, we can't keep James Milner or Charles and Zogby, but we'll try and buy Bastian <laughs> Bastian Schweinsteiger. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. Um, um. So we'll talk about. So we've talked about Shelby earlier. Um, another player who looked like he's on his way for personal reasons was Isaac Hayden. Um, played yes. right ring, played right wing back with. Uh, Yedlin and Mankio out. I mean, how did you feel he did and like what do you think of his season overall?
1: Well, I, I just think he's been a big part of us finishing where we have done mm. in the latter half of the season um so strongly. I mean it's not it's not it's not been a it's a been a weird one because it's not been a good season, uh, in terms of where we've finished and, and a lot of the wider politics, but it does feel in, in some ways that there's been from Rafa and the team's part, some progress and, and solidity that's happened on that front. Um, because there just seems to be this really strong team ethic. Um, a lot of players who had had issues at the start of the season have just really rallied uh, Richie and uh, Hayden uh, in particular. he's He's just such a, a, a good uh, athlete and, and, and professional and, and the application of both those players I've just mentioned has just been excellent in the, the, the latter half of the season. Yeah. He just seems to be able to come in and, and, and fill in and do a job at this role. I mean, when you compare it to his performance against Cardiff at the start of the season, it's uh, it's night and day.
0: Yeah, I mean, he actually hadn't tweeted since that Cardiff performance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He apologised for his mistake and then You know, he waited all season, kept his head down. I think, for me, personally, I think it changed with that, when he scored against Wolves. Um, He seemed to... I think he boosted his confidence a bit, and also his performance against Man City and his partnership with Longstaff as well. Um, These little... You know, I think him and Longstaff were a really good uh, partnership in the centre of mid at the time. Yeah. So, I think that changed. I mean... I can understand, of course, you know, he's got his own personal reasons because I think his partner wants to live down south. They have an ill child, I think I've read, and, you know, they want to be closer to her family and everything, which is fully understandable. I mean, how much do you think he'd go in the current market? I mean, I was reading 50 to 20 million, which I thought was a bit ambitious. I mean, personally, I think he's probably worth about maybe 7 million, 8 million. I mean, what do you think?
1: I think it's it's probably in double figures uh, because being young, relatively young, and English inflates things. Premium, um, yeah, all the time. Um, You know, I I don't. I'm certainly not of the belief it would be, you know, around 20 million, but maybe that, that sort of 13, 14, something like that, perhaps. Yeah. uh, At 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 best, um, I, you know, I think he's he's a a player that can be relied upon. Um, wherever he goes and whoever he goes for, he's probably yeah. likely going to end up in a team somewhere down south or in the in the West Midlands perhaps.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so um,
0: I think well, I think I personally think he'll be going to one of the newly promoted sides. Um, I think they will be because he's got Premiership experience. Lots of these clubs usually want someone like that, and he's a good character as well. He really does get on with things. So um, I think. He, I mean, Villa probably would be the best one for him. So uh, if they if they were to get promoted,
1: so possibly. Yeah, yeah. he'd be good fit there. I, I've also enjoyed his uh, his candor as well. He's been very frank. Yeah. In conversations, which has been quite refreshing, because you know what it's like when footballers get interviewed, and uh, historically we've had the the likes of Stephen Taylor coming out and saying a lot of uh, sort of trite sound bites and things like that over the years that have. Filled.
0: He'd, rather, he'd rather collect stamps than play for Sunderland. <laughs> that was one of Stephen Taylor's uh, uh, famous quotes.
1: One of his better ones, probably. One of his better <laughs> ones. But um, yeah, he wasn't known for his, um, his raconteur behaviour. Yeah, what I like about Hayden is he seems quite an intelligent lad and he seems to read the, the mood and tone um, of, of the politics of situations very well. Um, he seems to be firmly behind Benitez and 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 saying it's down to the club to get this sorted. So you know he understands where the uh, the kind of burden of um, of responsibility is. Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think um, as well
0: because he because he kind of knows he's leaving, he is able to just say what he wants, which is uh, is quite a nice. Because you know when whenever someone's it's like when people it's the last day of work or something they can say their true feelings, and I think that's kind of before he's probably been a bit more guarded, but now he's just like well i'm I'm going now, so uh yeah i can Because he he was very he he was very critical of the Ashley kind of economics a little bit he didn't say it directly, but he hinted at that so uh saying that Newcastle shouldn't be a club in this position and Rafa shouldn't be in this position. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, another central midfielder who I was surprised started, if I'm honest, on the weekend. I thought Key would start. But, uh, I mean, Diame, his contract is running out. I mean, would you keep him or would you be like, well, I think we might have to because we won't have any other midfielders. (laughs) But... uh, What are your thoughts? Would you keep him, or would you see what's out in out there in the market at the moment?
1: Well, at any other club, I'd probably say, yeah, he's been a good servant, but it's okay for you to go. Um, But I I just always worry about uh, squad depth and quality, um, you know, of incoming signings at at Newcastle, just because uh, of the way we do our transfer business. You know, everything a lot of the time despite the best intentions of a highly qualified coach, you know, it gets quite ponderous and laboured when they're trying to do these deals. So um, I'm I'm sure we would be able to get somebody in who would be uh, an adequate um, replacement, but it's the ease of doing it and how confident you are in the ability to do that. So um, I've got mixed feelings. I'm, I'm, I'm sad to see him go, but I understand, you know, that, even, even with the way the, the the club works, you know, he's not the sort of player they're looking for. and Know what to get some sort of uh, some sort of recompense for, for having having that player and putting faith in that player. But um, yeah, it's um, it's a weird one. I, I can't I can't see him I can't see him being here uh, anyway. And I think that was a it was an appropriate swan song for him uh, mm. on on Sunday. Yeah, I think, I think his age
0: probably counts against him. He's 30, 32 now. And, uh, you know, he's not been in...
1: For the second half of the season, he's not been a regular. So... You know, when, they, when they're quibbling about uh, whether to sign your, your player of the season in Rondon for a certain yeah. price, I don't think it bodes well for, uh, you know, that sort
0: of... <laughs> yeah, <broken> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's very true. I mean talking, we've obviously talked a lot about the futures of quite a few players um, we now obviously end of the season we're waiting for this Rafa uh, announcement I mean you thought some the season overall, I think for me it's, it's a weird season because really we've done pretty well since game 11 <laughs> um, I think we'd be up in the top 10 really um, you know like finishing in 13th overall, I mean, is that good for Newcastle relatively with what we've got?
1: I think what, what's always important to bear in mind is that we've got two thirds of the hierarchy of the club pulling in the same direction. Mm. And when you look at it that way, then what's happening in terms of them rallying and, and finishing strongly towards the end of the year, uh, that that is a positive. And um but on the flip side you've got we've not been confirmed safe until like the last three games uh you've got the likes of Charlie coming out after the accounts and saying that you know it's, it's been a good season um so there's a lot there's a lot of rhetoric and there's a lot of um perspectives to to take into consideration I think you know i i've I've enjoyed many many aspects of this and Sunday being uh, a, a massive part of that you know it was it was fantastic and there's been some uh, real feel-good results and, and, and goals and moments. You know the Richie, the Richie goal um, against Bournemouth, um, being amongst them um, recently. And uh, you know there's been some real, real highlights. Um, I, I particularly enjoyed um, Matt Ritchie's uh, slapping of uh, Fabian Cher, <laughs> um on on Sunday. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the poor poor guy he just he just put up for it for a bit and then told him to stop. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you know it's been a good season to see like team spirit come back be be proud of having a manager, be proud of a lot of the players you know we've got a fantastic uh, goalkeeper we've got a fantastic d- defense uh, to be uh, proud of you know and the, the 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 front options at the minute have been uh, have been working really well together so that there's there's a This feels like something's being built, but then it's whether that becomes a glass ceiling. I don't know what yet. So it's a a really bittersweet feeling at the minute.
0: Mm, Yeah, I think uh, think you're right. I think, you know, I mean, when you look at, I mean, for me, the highlight of the season is having been to so many Newcastle Man City games where we've been destroyed. I mean, I've said like... uh, seen three Aguero hat-tricks against Newcastle, Um, we go 1-0 down after a minute, and then somehow (laughs) we pull a 2-1 win out, which still is incredible for me. Um, I mean, and that was their only loss um, in the league uh, in 2019. That is a significant result, really. I think that is the highlight for me of the season. I mean, incredible atmosphere as well for that game. Yeah, for me, that's probably my highlight of the season because I've just seen so many... I mean, I still remember when Steve McLaren was manager and we, I'd only just got into my seat and Vernon and Anita had given a penalty away. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. I remember it was like 4-0 down, I think, in 25 minutes. And literally, we were just giving David Silva and Samir Nasri... So much space. <laughs> like, they literally... I, mean, Nursery was just laughing at, you know, at just how, like, how little pressure we were getting. So, yeah, I mean, Beating on City for me. Um, bit of a nostalgic question I thought we would do. Um, we said we are going to do a bit more nostalgia. Um, we mentioned Kevin Keegan uh, earlier in the podcast. Um, and lots of people talk, obviously, in, you know... The, the two eras, There's the Kevin Keegan era, where obviously we nearly won the league. We were 12 points clear um, and played some of the most amazing football. And then also we had the Sir Bobby Robson era with the, the Champions League nights where, you know, we beat Barcelona. Drew with it. Sorry, we didn't beat Barcelona. What did I say? We beat Juventus. Um, drew with Inter Milan away. Um, some great nights there. I mean, who, <laughs> it's quite a tough question for most Newcastle fans. Who do you prefer out of Kevin Keegan and some Bobby Robson? Oh, that's
1: a big, big, big question. Um, I, I suppose I, I have more of a memory because uh, I was born in 1986. Yes. I have more of a vivid memory of the Bobby Robson era. Um, but I do remember, um, you know, Aspria and the superb result. Um, yeah. Against Man United and, and going into school the next day, and uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, Midlands Man United fans. Um, mm. You know how it is. Um, there's a lot of United
0: fans everywhere. Let's be honest.
1: That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was it was a, a good a good feeling that day to be able to to, to do that yeah. um, after the, that uh, that victory. But um,
0: the five the five past Michael.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really difficult one because. Um, I, I think, in terms of what's what was nearly achieved, I suppose I have to have to give it to Keegan, yeah. um, just because the the narrative of the 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 title race to consider with that and where where we'd come from previously, I think it was a really fantastic achievement. To albeit I don't remember it quite as well. Um, yeah. I, I remember the significance of coming from where we were prior to that. And, and, and nearly winning the the, the Premier League title. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I think that Bobby Robson was undoubtedly a better tactician, and obviously where he's where he's been, he's he's won trophies everywhere he went. Um. And it was the, those Champions League nights, you know, particularly the one with the the, the Nord result was was incredible. It's it's a really, really tough one. Yeah. Um, I recently listened, uh, watched the the Bobby Robson uh, film. Yes, uh, I've seen the
0: stuff.
1: Yeah, and the, the, the love the love for the club both those people had just just comes through in, in both Keegan's book and in um that the Bobby Robson uh film. So yeah. you know it's uh it, you know you look at Rafa now and it's good to have that kind of strength of feeling back again amongst you know players and and, uh, and fans as well as the uh, affection the manager seems to have. So, you know, it's a, it's a nice headache to try and think about. But I think, um, ultimately, because of what uh, was nearly achieved and, and where we come from prior to that, it's got it's probably Keegan pips it for me.
0: So, for me, personally, I mean, I found the Keegan era was incredible. Um, we had some amazing footballers. I still think, you know, David Jiddler, Les Ferdinand, Alan Shearer. I mean, we only had Alan Shearer for a bit of the Keegan era. But... Uh, Rob Lee, these types of players, I mean, was probably the best to watch. Um, I'm still, having read his book, I still do not understand why he left Newcastle at that point in time. He's mentioned, obviously, that, you know, the club was going to be a public limited company and he'd have to answer to shareholders. But, I mean, I don't see how that would have impacted him that much. I still don't quite understand his rationale for it. Because for me, that's a financial thing rather than something that would impact on him day to day. Because, you know, they just spent 15 million on Alan Shearer. (laughs) Like You know, it's not like they weren't spending money and so forth. Whilst with Sir Bobby, I always felt he knew the issues in the team. But it's from reading his own book. um, He was very unlucky for me because I don't think we were not that far away. From being a... There was one season where we nearly challenged for the title under Sabobi, And I always say that there was two things which really that season was Craig Bellamy got injured. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whatever Alan Shearer says about Craig Bellamy, Craig Bellamy made such a huge impact to Alan Shearer's goal scoring because he would do the running for him, set up a lot of chances for him, create space for him. And it was evident when Bellamy wasn't there, you know, at the time we had Lua Lua and Amiobi was nowhere near the same as uh, She-Ra. She-Ra wasn't ever the same with those two compared to Bellamy. And the other thing which I always felt, I mean, it's been the story, was the story of his career was obviously we bought Jonathan Woodgate, who was a terrific Probably still the best centre-back I've seen for Newcastle. Unfortunately, he just didn't play enough. it's um, just prone to so many injuries. I mean, like I always said, with Woodgate, he'd play alongside Titus Bramble. And because he was so good, he made Titus Bramble look calm and composed, which we would never have said. Um, but obviously, when Woodgate was injured... Whenever Woodgate was injured, we went back to being chaotic. And I think if he had been allowed to bring in, because even in his book, he's, you know, that season they started, you know, the transfer window wasn't closed and he really wanted another centre-back and he wasn't given it. I also still wonder about the holding midfielder in in that Bobby Robson team. We used to be very good against the smaller teams, we would, you know, score lots of goals, play lovely attacking football. But when it came to kind of the bigger games, we generally were so open that, especially in midfield, and we'd get overrun because um, Gary Speed, Jermaine Ginas, Kieran I are great players, but they're all, they're more forward-thinking players. And uh, I always thought that if we'd, I mean, we did buy, he did buy Nicky Butt at the time, who, in my opinion, was a bit of a disaster. But uh, like, I do, I always wonder, Like, what would have happened if we'd strengthened those areas? Because, for me, we were one or two players away from, you know, being title contenders, proper title contenders. So, yeah, for me, it's Bobby Robson as well. I like his character, and I can never get angry with him. I could disagree with him, but I can never get angry with him. Um, So, yeah, for me, Bobby Robson. So, I I think it's an interesting question to ask most Newcastle fans, because I think... I
1: think there's more love for Sir Bobby, but people enjoyed the Keegan football more. Yes. So is this a bit of a flavour of the sort of thing we might be talking about over the summer? Yeah, I think
0: it's good to, because, well, it's been a long time. I was watching this video the other day about, like, some teenagers who support Newcastle. And, like, they don't remember, some of them don't even remember the Bobby Robson era.
1: We interviewed if, uh, some people at Chelsea who had uh, only ever known the Ashley era.
0: I mean at least I have those memories of exciting football and I'm not criticizing Rafa here I'll be honest it's been better the second half of the season but it's not it wasn't the most exciting football and I don't think it's his fault if he was given proper you know proper funds he'd be able to play the more attractive football and we're much better defensively than we ever were um I think than a lot of past teams um but The football that, under Bobby Robson and Kevin Keegan, I mean, it was just so exciting to watch. I mean, one of the best, I remember we beat Everton 6-2, and it was just every single time we went forward, we looked like we were going to score. It is really refreshing, because a lot of the times now, teams are very organised, very settled, and when you're just free-flowing, attacking, I think that's why people love watching Man City and Liverpool, because they are more free flowing, they attack. When Newcastle were doing it, it was just so such a joy to watch, and I really hope that Mike Ashley can back, whoever the manager is, or some a new owner comes in, <laughs> because I would love us to play football, you know, like that again.
1: Did you see the rumours of uh, uh, what's being be, be starting to be called the the over which is the the Mexican? Yes, beach. I did
0: see. I have seen that. I think. I've always said that when he sells the club, we have to make sure we do our due diligence, because you can be in a scenario where I think we you just have to see what's happened at Bolton, where the club got sold. They were told there was this rescue package and it was going to be really good, and you know they all the problems they've had. I mean the Sunderland owner has been yeah. there a year. And you know he came in, he was the savior, He saved them from Ellis short. And it sounds to me like he's already lost interest and wants to make a quick profit, which again I like. That's why I think you have to be very, very careful. We need someone who's thinking long term because you know I think Man City have had a, obviously have had the best owners you could ask you could ask for. Same with Chelsea, um, Everton as well. I mean, Fahad Mashiri seems really invested. But then you have owners, the Aston Villa owner, Tony Zia, before they sold in the summer, it was the same. Does says a lot of things, does a lot of things, but actually he's looking to sell the club quickly for a quick profit. I mean, I'm hopeful. I would Obviously, I want a new owner, but I just want us to make sure we do our due diligence before we sell.
1: I mean, Ashley said in the past that he wants to make sure he's selling to someone who could take the club forward. Yeah. I mean, I'm not convinced he's, he wants to do that himself. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's an interesting debate and perhaps one we can pick up in the summer
0: so yeah maybe we should pick up over the summer so um yeah thank you for joining us on the podcast please subscribe on uh itunes and spotify and we'll we'll be here over the summer doing some looking at maybe some of the transfer activity an update on the rafa situation and maybe looking at some nostalgic moments just to remind us of when newcastle were good so anyway thanks for joining us (laughs)
1: And find out more at, at London Magpies on Twitter and get in touch with the podcast LondonMagpieTube at gmail.com. And for now, it's over and Ashley Out.